We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And this week's podcast is actually brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day are right around the corner, Bet Online has the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part, you'll receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your literal free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up, betonline.ag. Bet Online your online sportsbook experts. And now, let's get to the podcast. And we're back, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, hello, Xanifer. How are you today? Hey, you know, life is good. Coming in today with a lot of energy. How about you, my friend? Uh, we're doing good. If you guys do not know uh, us, that, that's Zane or Zan. My name is Jake. We're here with the Esports Rewind podcast. Same day, same time, every single week. Breaking down the latest and craziest Ooh. in gaming news. That kind of that rolled off the tongue kind of nice with that one. Oh, yeah, definitely. You, you got it down pat. It's <laughs> almost like we've done this like 41 or so times. But uh, we, we really do hope you guys all enjoy. Every single week, we break down the top five or six six stories for you guys and uh, as per usual thank you all for watching so you ready to get it rolling yeah, let's hit it all right let's um yeah let's let's do that all right zan gonna hit you hard right off the start because i know you and me are gonna dis- d- d- disagree on this one well, I, just, I mean that's every topic at this one let's go, i can't let's go. go back from what i just <laughs> did there i don't even that wasn't on purpose but <laughs> If you guys are still watching, thank you very much. We're going to talk about Ninja's tweet. You probably knew it was coming. And, uh-huh. Yeah, I had uh, a feeling. You and me are definitely on two different sides of this. And uh-huh. it's certainly, I would say, a debatable tweet. By anyone who does not know by Ninja's tweet, I think mm. at the point of us recording, it's like 120,000 likes. There was over 250,000 yeah. tweets about it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, no matter who you are, it's pretty nuts that one guy can be so controversial. And I, I like Ninja. Others in the team are a, a bit weary about some of the things he does, which is understandable. Mm. But if you have any guy out there who can tweet once, like a, a couple hundred characters, and there's over a quarter of a million tweets about that tweet, you're doing something maybe right, but maybe contra- – I don't know. It's 
It's a whirlwind. It's See, a... I, I think it's the fact that he's kind of walking the line. Because when it comes to the tweet itself, I think part of what generated so much controversy <clears throat> is that the, the tweet was split in half. Yeah, just want you to hit the microphone. Yeah, I, I got to balance out your your. You're only proving Ninja's point right now. You get angry, you just hit your microphone. <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously. Well, wouldn't that be bad, though? Hitting the microphone is a bad thing. So you don't want to be angry. I don't. Wait, no, he wants you to be angry. Otherwise, you've lost no, twice. No, yeah, which is why Ninja's tweet which isn't is working Which is why it here. walks the line. So anyway, yeah, so for people yeah, who don't okay. understand, that the premise was it's just a game tweet, and uh, some people mm. looked very much into the word-by-word -word analysis. It actually was sparked by a clip of Ninja saying he's sick of people saying it's just a game when he takes it a lot more seriously. Then it turned into a tweet. And uh, mm. now, of course, we have a viral a part of this. So I'll ask you your stance, but it certainly does walk the line. There are going to be many people who agree with it and many who don't. Also, many people who see this in the eyes of video games only and many people who see it as like a lifestyle tweet. So mm. what were your first initial thoughts on it? Well, I saw the tweet initially and I was like, OK, the first half, that's some crazy nonsense. Second half, very reasonable, right? I agree. Because mm. I think... Uh, if you've obviously, I would have hoped you've seen the tweet at this point. Those of you listening, and Jake did a pretty good job explaining the general gist of it. But it leads in saying that you know you need to get angry about a loss. You need to really like you know drive home that passion, that energy, which is what I feel like Ninja was kind of going for. More mm -hmm. like you need to be passionate about every loss. Mm -hmm. But really and truly, I think at this point in time, we know that that's not necessarily like needed. I think it's much more beneficial to the average person, to anybody actually to calmly analyze, hey, I lost. Here's why I lost. Here's how I can improve. And you can still care very deeply about the loss without actually getting angry about it. Yeah, my main issue is is the way it was worded. And mm. if you watch the clip and then read his tweet, there's so many ways you can take it. Mm. And so I think for the... I would say for a lot of people out there, especially pro players, they see this as either applying to their careers, right? They are mm -hmm. very serious video game players, but also to other aspects of life. They're taking it for the bare bones minimum, which I think is what I did, and that's why I wasn't offended by it, mm -hmm. how I took it. And again, it's not how he worded it. I won't say he worded it very well, because when he says, mm -hmm. if you don't get angry, you've already lost twice, I can see my mom reading that and obviously being like, what do you... <laughs> no, like, which I, yeah, I understand yeah. a lot of where people are coming from, but mm -hmm. I think a lot of people read so far into it, dissecting it like word by word. See, the thing is, I don't think a lot of people even really did that. They probably just saw the general gist and coming from Ninja, who is this huge gaming personality who has all these people who look up to <clears> him <throat> and everything. At best, this tweet is irresponsible. Because I don't think you want to be it's telling... It's a ninja hot take, which I'm used to yeah. by now. Like, he, yeah, he says yeah. these things it all is. the time. It is. They usually just don't transfer to tweets. We see mm -hmm. tons of clips of ninja saying oh, stuff. Yeah, maybe absolutely. It, it's, it's a hot take. Mm -hmm. Not all of them make it to tweets, which it's it's hard because as a tweet, he's not. you're not live streaming. You're not taking a one take like you just mm -hmm. said that. You take the time to type this out. So I, I agree with you. Yeah. Mildly irresponsible. And maybe he knows it's going to be a bit controversial. I don't think he could have guessed this. I do love how he started blocking people who are making fun of him. Did he? Yeah, was that yeah, proven? yeah. It was. I don't think that guy has the time to actually. <laughs> oh fly. no, he did, like there was one dude who made like a really funny like joke of it, like he used it as like a kind of like a copy pasta and he switched gaming for drawing and stuff, Jesus right? Christ. And he like hard blocked that guy. Okay, like, you know real what, Zan? The way I took it, and again, uh -huh. I understand where everyone's coming from. I understand why you'd be pissed off. I understand why you'd like this. I'm trying to be the middleman here. I think you That's are. Fair. We're trying That's to be fair, fair here. Yeah. Um, I, reasonable. I, I generally took it as maybe the word of angry was not the best choice, but mm. I generally took it as you should be agitated by losing like you shouldn't be comfortable or complacent losing which i i do agree with mm. and that's where i see he's coming from uh i think there's definitely like 
the fair majority of people out there who can understand at least to a certain extent where he's coming from. It was poorly worded, poorly mm. expressed. Then there are though the far the the far few people we saw that the post you links, right. yeah, yeah, the mothers out there talking about their their sons who like are generally very angry people and they mm. blame Ninja for all this. That's a come on, like yeah, I mean, hey, it. there's probably a little bit of confirmation confirmation bias going <clears throat> on in some of these circumstances, but you do have to be very aware of the fact that if you have people that your kids are looking up to who are saying that oh, what you should be doing is screaming and shouting and if you're losing you gotta be screaming and shouting and it's all about all this anger and aggression towards this thing that you're supposed to be passionate about and enjoying i can understand how they're like yeah this is really not great i just don't know if i took it that way because like if no. i if i get angry at something i Again, I'm kind of. This is a weird one because See, if I get if I mm. get angry at video games, I mm. typically do do worse. Right. Yeah. But if I apply it to my lifestyle, where if I'm losing, if I suck at like working out and I'm angry, I usually do work out better if I'm angry. Mm. But I don't know. It's, but it's can weird you really apply this. that to other stuff in life? Like say say we work, we go out into the office. Somebody says, Jake, I don't like your shoes, and you okay. get angry, and you're like, ah. But then it, how then is that going to help you pick then, better like, shoes? Am I losing there? You know, like am I? It it depends. It's so situational mm-hmm. and it, I'll, I'll say one last thing about this the tweet did not offend me near as much as his irrationality with the clip because at the mm. end of the clip he goes if you are okay with losing you're a horrible person <laughs> and you're lazy see this is what it, that's why i was stuff like like that is what makes it hard to give ninja the benefit of the doubt in these circumstances like i really want to just be like oh i'm sure he didn't mean it like that but then he goes and adds on the other stuff where I'm like, it's like part of me thinks he does it on purpose. Like he yeah. knows that like he knows it's going to take, I don't mm. dude. It's possible. He knows it's so controversial. And yeah. even us talking about it, I'm like, God, I was defending the guy. Now I don't know what, uh-huh. what do you guys think about this? It's just a game. It's just a tweet. And yeah, it's just a know. clip. Let us know what you guys think about ninjas controversy. All right, Jake, this is going to be a relatively brief, I'm not saying short, That's that's we'll jinx that word. Yep. Um, it's going to be kind of an update on the Street Fighter V netcode thing we talked about a oh. while ago. And not to worry, non-FTC fans out there, I'm going to tie it back into to other esports as well by the end. But a uh, quick recap anyway, Street Fighter V came out in 2016, and at the time people told Capcom, hey... The, the online play for this game sucks. It's just garbage. It's really, really laggy. Nobody's enjoying it, right? And the problem remained relatively unchanged all four years up until about maybe month, month, two months ago where a community member put out a mod that essentially fixed a lot of the problems with Street Fighter V's netcode. Uh, broke parts of the game as well, but hey, it fixed the large majority of the problems that people were experiencing. Now, this past week, Capcom has released uh, the Champion Edition of Street Fighter, which is essentially just, you know, new version of the game, new characters, new DLC, et cetera, et cetera. And they've removed that fan mod from the game, can never, no longer use it with Street Fighter whatsoever. Uh. And they put in their own kind of band-aid on a netcode situation that kind of fixes it, kind of not, very much doesn't. But like it's something. Do you hear yourself when you say these kind of things? Yeah, I absolutely do. And I feel like if you if you follow the train, it kind of makes sense. But I totally understand anybody who doesn't, you know, isn't following along. I'll say this: the fix works for some people. It works if you have great internet. But if you don't have great internet, then you're probably out of luck here. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to touch on is the community reaction to this, actually, because the entire Street Fighter and a good part of the general FGC as well kind of jumped down Capcom's throat about this 
because initial reports were horrible. The netcode fix wasn't working for anybody. The mod was gone. Everybody was unhappy. They couldn't play the game properly. And it was just fury for like two days straight. Mm -hmm. They were going after developers at Capcom. They were going after Ono. They were like, you know, people were posting videos of them burning their copies of the game. You know, that's a bit, that's classic. Yeah, it was a lot. That's classic gamers, right? It there. was a lot, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, turns out after everybody calmed down a little bit, they drank some water, they went home, saw their kids for a second, backed away from Twitter, and they're like, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's not that bad, actually, after all. Maybe it's okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's fine, right? And that reaction in general and what caused it has me thinking a lot about what we see a lot with Call of Duty in particular. Oh, boy. <laughs> don't Please don't call out any Call of Duty fans. Oh, no, no, no They're worries. savages. <laughs> <coughs> How do you relate those two? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say that the reason the Street Fighter community reacted so strongly in this case, in large part, feels like because Capcom very much lost their trust like four years ago. Yeah. And over the course of those four years by just not fixing the problem. Yeah. And then by removing a fix to the problem and throwing a Band-Aid on it on their end and not really saying much about it. And... I'm worried we're seeing a lot of that with Call of Duty Modern Warfare right now because uh, I see a lot of the glitches in Modern Warfare, even though I don't play it, but just because I work on our website. They pop up yeah, every week, probably. Tons. Like, oh my wow, this game is so broken on so many levels. And I'm very concerned about what the breaking point is for the Call of Duty community, at which point they're going to just lose trust in the brand overall. Yeah, and, and this is something you stressed before in the mm. past as well. And I thought it was something that, honestly, with Blackout was going to be a if, – if you're going to mm. see a breaking point, gosh, the way they treated that competitive game uh, and also the B, the first launch of their BR, I right. thought it was pretty bad. Mm. I mean, at a certain point, though, it's like they haven't reached that breaking point and they've done some pretty abysmal things. So I, yeah. I don't know if there is a breaking point I think, with Call of Duty I think fans. They're, they're kind of lucky in the sense that – Fans can kind of say, "Oh, but that wasn't Call of Duty; that was Treyarch." Yeah, you know, or they can sure. say, "Oh, this wasn't this wasn't Infinity War; this was, you know, Sledgehammer." And then they're like, "Oh, whatever. they won't get it for another year, so it'll be fine." Yeah, yeah, but we're kind of coming to the point where it's like every dev is making mistakes now. Yeah, and so at what point I'm wondering is the community just going to be like, "Well, I mean, none of you are good anymore," and realistically speaking, Infinity Ward isn't Infinity Ward anymore. Most of the great people from Infinity War went to respawn to like. And that's why Apex is great. I know, and I, I feel like every game will eventually reach this point. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it just depends how far down the line it is. I feel like with Call of Duty, it's been going on for so long. I don't know. I don't know if, I, if you can even put a timestamp on when it's going to happen. Oh yeah, you definitely can't. I just feel like we're we're getting closer to that point because now people are talking more on social media and realizing, yeah. oh, the problem's spreading, as opposed to just being like, ah, oh, maybe my game is just weird. I would say yeah. we're definitely getting closer, but I don't. Mm -hmm. I I still don't know if that's if it's really possible. It's it's built up such a large fan base. I think uh, maybe a likely comparison as well would be a game like Fortnite. Mm -hmm. Fortnite has broken their game, and again, it's a fresher game, fresher title, obviously. Yeah, of course. Uh, but Epic Games, with the amount of frequent updates they used to have a couple seasons back, and stretching back even to its, uh, you know, uh, initial release, it, they've broken so many things, but they fix some, and then they. I don't know. They've somehow kept their fan base really entangled. So I don't know if mm. it's actually a possibility with how great the Call of Duty fan base or player base truly is. I, I would say the additional thing that could really drive this home is the fact that we're reaching a point where indie developers have more potential than ever. And a lot of other game studios are experimenting with, you know, game mechanics they may not have touched before. And I would not be surprised if some, some studio was just like, oh, let's just make Call of Duty, but just better than Call of Duty. And then just like... 
call it a day, and then that's the end of Call of Duty. I thought you were going to go the angle maybe of maybe eventually, way, way down the line, we get another a studio in there, and all of a sudden Call of Duty is like, hey, how about you help us out with this game instead of, you know, Treyarch. Or, that's obviously probably going to be... A, yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't think... I'd almost say that's more likely than the game itself dying out because the players don't... I don't think... They, they, won't, they won't do that. They'll just swap devs out of the studio. They've already done that a couple times with Treyarch and Sledgehammer and yeah. stuff. They'll just be like, oh, yeah, we're going to move you from here. I think this, this Call of Duty coming out this year, actually, Sledgehammer is working on it. Apparently, they messed it up, and so they swapped it over to... The, now they're working under Treyarch, I believe, on the new Black Ops. It was going to be a different game altogether. I, I just can't see a point yeah. in it happening, especially this year with them, you know, going to a league and all of a sudden breaking mm. record sales. I don't see it happening anytime soon. I think I feel like you're right, way way down the line. But at yeah. this point, it's like, oh yeah, I'm not saying this is gonna happen. Like, oh, Call of Duty 2020. It's like it's gonna gamer, kill Call of Duty. <laughs> gamers <laughs> like, rise up, but gamers also game. So it's like, uh-huh, true, we can true. play all we want, but we'll still play it. Uh-huh. Well, well, I've you stopped. won't. But you're, <laughs> I would say you're in the few 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 oh, yeah, minority because yeah, yeah, I still yeah, bought yeah, the title. I knew yeah. all the issues, and mm, so. Mm. We'll see if it yeah, ever makes an impact, whether, whether it be with uh, fighting games, whether it be with Fortnite, whether it be with Call of Duty. Mm. Um, when will the, we'll, we'll, what's the first big title going to be that actually dies out based off player we'll, feedback? We'll find out with Project A. <laughs> oh, I freaking know. Don't hope so, but I kind of do. I don't yeah, know. Right? <laughs> Shh. Zan, be quiet. There's a gaming event going on. What? I... <laughs> Get this man the what? <laughs> get this man the. F- <laughs> I hope some. I hope someone out there understands what we're talking about uh-huh. before we're even talking about it. <laughs> oh, I really that'd be because if you did, yeah. What is up? People? You're a real one. <laughs> uh, uh, we're talking about gamers etiquette, crowd uh-huh. etiquette. Uh, I'm I'm gonna keep this short because I keep things short here. Do you really? We're going to have a quick discussion, very brief, because we'll have follow-ups in the future. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a latest release by Carmack and IEM. IEM is tied to ESL. Right now, they're going to implement this for CSGO events, maybe future ESL events. I'm sure you did the read-through as well. Yep. Pretty much yep. going to be punishing crowds who cheer at the wrong time. Uh, brief rundown, if you guys don't know, CSGO events have had this happen a few times. COD events, I'm sure others as well, where the crowd either hints at something happening, gives away something happening, or directly signals something happening, and it ruins the integrity of the eSport, whatever eSport it is. And so the two main breakdowns I took away from this is now at IEM Katowice coming up for CSGO. There will be crowd punishments if a group of people or a certain number of people do that. If they break that rule and, and cheer where they, when they shouldn't or give away something, they're going to actually punish the entire stadium, I do believe, yes. by turning off X-Ray, which is a huge viewer experience as you're watching in the uh, arena. Uh, and besides that as well, the second thing, if you are too noisy and do it redund- uh, redundantly, is that the word? Repeatedly. Repeatedly, yeah. Shh. Okay. <laughs> You'll be ejected. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on this? Uh, you know what? It's, it's an interesting stance to take. I do appreciate that Carmack was talking about the viewer experience combined with the player experience and how they don't feel that booths really contribute to that too that much. That was interesting. Yeah, I kind of agree with him on that front. But, you know, I, I worry about them... overextending themselves a little bit here because I think if you get to a point where you're trying to make a CSGO event like that he mentioned playing tennis, right? Where you're trying to assign all these rules to like, okay guys, so the knife was out but he hadn't actually stabbed him, so you cheered a little bit too early on that yeah. one. So, Hop up. Hop up. <laughs> red card for the uh, for yeah. the audience. Like yeah. <laughs> this section, <and> last warning. <laughs> but yeah, there will be those uh-huh. those mm-hmm. little minor metrics that you have to follow. Right. And like, right. there's there's going to be fluctuation of mm-hmm. if this does continue for other events, you get away with cheering here, 
at this event. Yeah, like, right. Like, are you gonna have like one ref who goes to all the events to keep it consistent, I'm, or like? <laughs> I don't. Oh, yeah, no, I feel like I feel like there's definitely something to be said for them wanting to maintain competitive integrity. Like, in since like I saw a one clip of uh, I think it was a, somebody from Astralis. Like he was yep. seeing the X-ray of a player through a wall, right? Obviously, the player couldn't see the X-ray, but the audience could. It's pretty notorious. Yeah, and he his cursor moved where the enemy team was. The audience started cheering. Uh, yeah, uh, it's like almost like playing a game of hot and cold or something, yeah, but right? I loved it because the casters yeah. can't hear the. Apparently, mm -hmm. the casters couldn't hear it, and so like they're freaking out, like, "How did he get that <laughs> kill?" But in the background, you hear the crowd. Oh yeah, like, being like very, very yeah. obvious about it. And I feel like that that level of interference is pretty easy to address by just being like, "Yeah, guys, just don't do that." Yeah. Easy. <laughs> you know? And and I don't I'm very curious what it's gonna become. Like Absolutely. Especially in a game like Counter Strike where there are big plays probably nearly every round, every other round. So right, it's right. it becomes like, do you have to stay quiet for yeah, the entire game and until the mm -hmm. very, very end of each round and I don't know. It's just yeah, to a certain degree. I want to make it work. I don't know how this, how much this actually affects the players, realistically speaking. Because if you because ever, they already can't hear that much. Yeah, exactly. If you're on stage and you're already, you got your headphones on, you're you're focused on the game. You're already, you're you're, you're laser focused on what you're doing. Yeah, you have right? your your noise canceling headset and your earbuds under mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. How are you supposed to identify? Oh, so this crowd is screaming at this exact moment when I do this thing, and me know that that's supposed to be you that they're screaming at, as I'll, opposed to one of the other like ten people on the. It didn't happen with the example you just shared, but it's yeah, like a yeah. one-off. But to be fair, he claimed it didn't. He claimed that wasn't what it was at all. I heard. No, no, no. He, I think he pretty much admitted. He, I think his main come out. The, the player who actually, I think it was. I don't want to falsely because I can't remember the clip exactly. Mm -hmm. I believe it was Zipex, but whoever it was actually came out and said um, that he had heard it. But he was like, "What do you expect me to do when I hear the crowd? Should I ignore it and pretend mm -hmm. I don't know someone's there?" Mm -hmm. So he didn't deny it. In okay, that I sense. might be thinking about a different one because I very specifically saw the, the player was like, "Yeah, I didn't." I had no idea yeah, what they were I mean, like, I'm screaming sure about. Been like that before. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I think we both can agree the ejection rule is fine. If someone's mm. like holding up a sign, yeah, or directly problematic. saying, yeah. "Yo, he's here," <laughs> obviously you should be ejected. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to every other instance, yeah, I just know if they if they try to roll this nonsense out at like fighting game events, there'd be riots. People would not hang for that. It's all. Yeah. I think a lot of it's going to come down to the first way they implement it and yeah. how they s softly implement this, mm -hmm. and we'll see how it affects crowds. But yeah, I made sure in our video last week to talk about this. If you get a bad crowd, and all of a sudden you're taking, yeah, right. if it comes to the moment where you take away X-ray, the viewer experience because of what someone else did, that's my issue. Like what? Yeah, if, like, yeah. What if some of the uh -huh. crowd cheers. You're in your you're in your seat. I you're staying quiet like right, you should. Right. And all of a sudden, you can't see the yeah, game. You just got like one problematic fourth of the crowd. Yeah. that's like screaming. And like, you're yeah. paying 50, 100, 200 bucks, and uh -huh. you're like, uh, they cheered. I didn't. Right. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of lot a lot of <laughs> VR glasses is the answer. <laughs> Everybody has their own X-ray system no. in their glasses. <laughs> you ban people by username if they're screaming. <laughs> Every user gets an ID. Your glasses will shut off if you cheer too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> becomes crazy. This is, um, I think we both can agree, though. We like the ejection rule. Yeah. It's going to be very weird to see how they play out everything else. Um, I like the idea of it if they can play it out right. Yeah, it's going to be a right fine way. line they have to walk here. Mm -hmm. So I like the progress. I like where we're going. We'll see how it gets implemented. That's the important part. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jake, we're going to talk about, um, you know, sorry, everybody, another FTC topic. Bring it to the Are table. Are you kidding me? A twofer? <clears throat> yeah, a twofer. Got it. Every now and again, you know, I've, it's just been all my mind all week, just fighting game nonsense. Better be a good one, dog. Oh, it absolutely is. Nintendo and Super Smash Brothers Esports is what we're going to be talking about today. Now I'm in. Because uh, I'm as, in. as Jake reported on earlier, Hungrybox himself took to the stage at Smash Summit. 
and issued a a request to Nintendo to support oh. this pro Smash Brothers scene. Frick you, dude! I know what you're going to talk about. I know we're going to argue about it too. Uh-huh. But sorry, continue. Just throwing See, it out but there. I have new information to bring to the table. Oh, which is ooh, the, like yeah, I'm yeah. going to agree with you. Ooh. <laughs> you might actually by the time I'm done. I so here here's here's just just so I can get it out there right away. Here's where I stand. Do I think Nintendo should support the pro scene? I would very much enjoy it if they would. I think that would be great for the pro scene. I'd love to see it. Do I think they will? I mean, no. Oh, so you're Do, taking if, your if I, if I was at Nintendo, would I look at what's going on right now and say, it's yeah, we should get involved? Angle. No. This is a different angle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And here's here's where I'm coming from on this, right? Because so, one last time. Right. Do you think they should? Yes. Personally, yes. Do you think yes. they will? No. no. I think a lot of people are going to agree with you there. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, but the thing is, though, I kind of realize I do support the scene a lot. Continue. A lot. Give us the details. Nintendo actually does a lot for the Super Smash Brothers esports scene. Bang this microphone on my head. But they just don't talk about it because they're Nintendo, and Nintendo does every. They they march to the beat of their own drum. Zan, give us give us the details. The details are this. Okay, so Nintendo actually runs their own Super Smash Brothers esports tournaments. They just don't talk about them very much, and they run them online very specifically to help more people be able to participate and get involved and experience the competitive aspect of the game. Yeah, the casuals. Exactly, right? The people off the street that have no business being a professional esports athlete. But then do you know what they do for the winners? For the winners at each event, they'll say, okay, so let's say we have an online tournament happening in this February. There's one going on, I think, this weekend. Uh, They say, okay, top four. They get a flight out to CEO. 2020, which is a huge fighting game community event, like huge tournament. They get entry into the event. They get airfare. They get, you know, hotels. You know, they are what Nintendo is doing. (laughs) They pay for all that? Yeah. What Nintendo? For four people? Well, they run like several of these per year. And like, so what they, what they're doing is they're putting their money where their mouth is, where Nintendo has said they want to support the path to, if you want to compete, they want to make it possible for people to compete, right? They want to do everything they can in their power for that. And they do. They make it so that, hey, the amateurs who maybe have never participated in an esports event have, a, have an event to go to and then can, if they want, if they win, they can go and see what, hey, this is what the high level stuff is like. What does Nintendo put into tournaments? Into prize tournaments, pools. into prize pools, that's the one thing they don't. They don't put hard money into prize pools. That is the single biggest thing you can do because... It, it's the single biggest thing that I don't think Nintendo driver. needs to. Uh, see, here's where you change your mother freaking angle. We had should they or will they, not do they need to. You are changing the narrative. Oh, see, but here, here's here's where the narrative stays consistent. Because everyone knows they don't need to. Yes, they're yeah, a billion but see, dollar no, company. No, no, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying need to in that sense. Not in that sense whatsoever. I'm saying they can support in other ways it doesn't have to be monetary and I think people are fixating too much on we want Nintendo to give us a fat sack of cash and I understand that that would make drives the growth yes they can fly out amateurs all they want they can Mm. fly out people Mm. who win these small events all they want but if you were to even give out a few big prize pools throughout the entire year you have those same amateurs who see that and go huh I'm willing to risk it if even Mm. if they let's say you win that amateur event and now there's a big prize pool on the line now Mm. you're willing to pay the travel anyway it doesn't need to be paid by Nintendo or up and comers see these big prize pools and they go huh I want to do that one day for a living I'm going to try and compete the thing is though that's kind of counter to Nintendo's whole like design philosophy and I think it's kind of like it's it's a bit much to say, hey, we know this is explicitly what you don't want to do. You explicitly don't want kids looking at Super Smash Brothers, the video game, and thinking, this is going to be my career forever. 
but they want to embrace the competitive aspect. And so, like, they also, they... <clears throat> They give like so for events and stuff like to for these major events that they don't necessarily give them money. They'll say, "Hey, if you need consoles, they'll give them consoles." Sometimes yeah, they'll God give forbid them you give game them licenses. Money. Not they'll that they give them like fifty bucks to make. You know, they're like they're supporting in other ways, and they aren't getting in the way of the events making money themselves. Their support is so minuscule, Zan. It's, the, it's the question at hand a was lot the in pro other players. ways. Literally, they're doing. They're doing so much but just throwing okay, cash okay. at these, like, 10 Zan, people Zan. who are at the top. It's like, Exa yeah, go for There's it. Go a for reason it. why there's only 10 people at the top because only 10 yeah. people can afford to stay at the top. Let me ask you this. If you're an amateur player, you get mm. flown out to these events via mm. Nintendo. They pay uh, a 1000 bucks for your hotels, right, food, right. travel, whatever it is. What do you do once you want to be a pro? What is there to do? Then you do that yourself. And you I, I think it's very viable. And then be a pro player? You think... Motherfucker! Hey, I, I'm not saying do this as a career. I'm saying, hey, but it's very the, viable the, to go out and have fun. Nintendo does not. The initial argument by yeah. Hbox was uh -huh. made for the established pro players who right. want to be full-time. Right. Nintendo needs to support the, the top-tier scene. Why, though? Why why does that why is that on Nintendo to do that? They they're it's stepping It's not on Nintendo. They're yeah, asking but and they're you putting said they it should. on Nintendo and I'm saying I'm saying I would enjoy it if they did, but I think I think ask going to Nintendo constantly and being like give us money. Give us money, you don't do anything for us, give us money, is kind of like ignoring all the other stuff that they do and all the other ways they're trying to support the growth of the community in terms of getting more people interested, getting more people involved. Like at, at last one of last year's uh, Nintendo's online opens, right, they had a little over 10,000 people competing and over 80% of them had never competed in an esports event in their life. Is that not much and better? And over 80% of them will not be competing a year from now because they can't afford to because there's no uh, there's no pro scene. You can you do realize yeah. that Nintendo can do both very easily, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So but I would love I'm that. I'm saying and I'm saying that people need to stop asking them for money. They don't want to give the pro people money. They want to support you guys in other ways. They're doing but they're everything they can. They're not supporting the pros in other ways. They're they supporting are. people off the street. They're supporting the events themselves. They're not they're like saying like, "Hey, they're not getting in the way of the pros like if the pros wanted to go out and get sponsors for the event to make to have more money in the prize pool, right? If they wanted to reach out to somebody, like, I don't know. That's putting a lot of work on pros who are already strained enough as it is trying to afford to be a pro. Well, this is the decision. So you want the pros well, to I'm not, not, not necessarily not the pros, but more the TOs in this, this circumstance. But I think it's like... It's a lot on the TOs, right? But everybody made this decision. They want, they want to be a professional Smash Brothers player, tournament organizer, etc., right? At that point, I think the onus is on them to reach out and make it viable for themselves, you know? Because if Nintendo is saying... That's not how it operates in any other esports scene. Well, it's, it it's, how, it's how like 99% of things work in like actual life. If I made, if I, like say, if I walked into a teddy bear store, right? And I was like, wow, I really love these teddy bears. And I bought one and I started, you know, build, been building this whole like community of people who also really like teddy bears. And we started trading them around and, you know, making money off of like showing off our teddy bear designs and everything, right? And we were like, oh, you know what? It's real. We're lo we love doing this. It's real hard to make it like as an actual living. We'd love to keep doing it though. So, teddy bear company, give us money. I'm really confused at what angle you're trying to take with that one because. If these players, if you want them, the onus mm. to be on the players to go out and get sponsors to drive the events, what's the reasoning for a sponsor to want to enter an esport where the viewership just is not there? Like they're never going to get big prize pools on their own. It's just, it's yeah. just straight up facts. Well then, hey, that's that's also okay in the sense that hey, maybe the move is not let's just do Smash Brothers. Maybe the move and may, let's just compete. Maybe the move is hey, if you want to be vi if you want a career as a professional Smash Brothers player to be viable. 
Maybe you take it the extra step and stream as well. Most of the bigger Smash people do. You make your money that way. You know, there's. I don't think. I don't think the impetus should be on Nintendo to fuel the prize pool specifically. And I don't. I don't. I think it's kind of disingenuous pretending they do absolutely nothing for the scene when they do do a, a good bit. Uh, just they just don't put in money into the prize pools because once again they're not an esports company. They don't want to be in esports. It's the community that wants to do it, and Nintendo's letting them do it. And they're like, hey, we'll help. We'll help more people get involved. Help more people participate. We'll we'll provide logistical support to help you run your events. You know, they're just not gonna be like, hell, hey, yeah, good job, H Fox. Here's <laughs> ten grand. Yay. You know, I think that's perfectly reasonable on their half. And once again, I, I I would love it if they did, but you know, I think at this point it's very viable to say like, hey, you know. Make there. this make this job that you created for yourself work. Don't ask the company that you created a job I mean, around to do it for you. It's fair, I guess, mm. but I just it, it's nothing to it's nothing to Nintendo to throw out a couple hundred thousand dollars a year to help out the pro scene. If they're gonna if they're willing to do it so oh, much, just for the heck of it, just to be like, hey, yeah, we like you. Sure, here's some money, and that could easily drive sales in its own regard. I don't think it would though. Is the thing. But the thing, it, it, we're not going to agree hey, on this. We're not going to agree. So what, there's no Smash Brothers literally sells four times the amount of any other fighting game, over four times, and it's still full priced. And every other fighting game drops like half price within and six months. And who's to say that running big events wouldn't help spur sales even further? They do run events, and those events don't drive sales. Yeah, because there's no – what what events do they run? How like much they, they put in? Like they... like, you, you don't need prize pool money to generate sales from an event. It like, gets more coverage generally. Not necessarily. It's Nintendo. It's Super Smash Bros. It's the biggest event in the world. It's going to be it. You're going to get all the articles that you'll get for like a $500,000 cash cup or whatever. You'll get like the same people streaming it or not like, you know, not the extra like ancillary people who are just chasing the cash, right? But Nintendo doesn't want those people anyway and they don't need them. They don't need them. I think they should though. We're not going to agree, obviously. Yeah, I, I think Nintendo's in the right here, low key. Low key? You want me to drop a high key, my friend? <laughs> I'm freaking done talking about this. You guys can leave your thoughts down below. Uh, Nintendo doesn't need to, but they should, but they It'd won't. It'd be cool if they would. Oh, and the wrap-up story today is going to be about the good old 100 Thieves New York Times article. Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Apparently, a New York Times has spent over just about a year following 100 Thieves, and uh, it's kind of funny because that's just about half their lifespan so far, so... Yeah, they the New must York have Times got in from the ground up. Just apparently really, knew it was going to really. be a big thing. Um, yeah, a long article as well. If you guys had not seen it, uh, Zan, what are your thoughts on this whole shabam bam? Well, I think it's an interesting concept. You definitely don't hear too often about a reporter just spending a whole year with a team. But you know, as an esports fan personally, <clears throat> I was very disappointed because I felt like the reporter didn't share much information that we weren't already aware of. It was very, it felt very surface level for having spent so much time with the team in a couple ways. It felt like a year-long recap of stuff we already knew. Yeah, yeah. There's a few tidbits here and there, albeit, but... Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's like... That's this not to like really hate on the article because once again this is only for those of us who follow esports closely. True, true. And Plenty for of people like, don't know that stuff. Yeah, for the for the g- general New York Times audience, I'm sure this was a fantastic article that had tons of stuff that they were just learning for the first time and like interested to see. Albeit a straight up lie uh, with the title. <laughs> Me and Zan found out as we were uh, checking back and forth of the, the article itself. Uh, they first posted it. Um, it was. Uh, do you know the, remember the exact wording by chance? It was. Uh, I could look it up real quick if you want me to. I think it was the. Big Biggest. 
it's like the the biggest something in esports uh, than a, a colon talent. Like the biggest, the yeah. most important, crucial part of mm. esports talent. And they show the mob on the front page. They mm. change the title. And apparently New York Times does this quite often. Yeah. Their new title pissed me off. Now it doesn't even matter what the old title was. You know, congrats to the mob for being uh, mentioned as well as one of the talent teams in esports. They change it to uh, how to make billions in esports. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shut the... I don't... I feel like our last segment got me yeah. agitated. <laughs> I, it's very possible. Because yeah, you make some good points and all of a sudden it's <laughs> under my skin. <laughs> but it's like... Uh, can we just focus on esports organizations being profitable before we have these traditional media outlets saying how to make billions? Dude. Well, I mean, the answer is no. <laughs> they're not even worth 200 million, and their revenue is probably uh, maybe 10 million. Like the highest revenues we saw of esports mm-hmm. orgs or uh, orgs last year by Forbes, we don't even know if it's accurate, was like 30 million. And mm-hmm. we have someone at New York Times saying how to make billions. Month. Yeah, because they know. It's, hey, that type of stuff works. You know when the when art when sites will stop doing this when people stop clicking on stuff saying, "Ooh, I can make noise." Well, you know, in everyone yeah. outside, even it's, people in our demographic, yeah. they see esports, they see a B in billions, and they're uh-huh. like, "Oh my god, it's such like, a wow!" And we're not great at titles ourselves. Uh-huh. We've we've definitely we've leaned that we, line. We try to like walk the other side of the line, though, not the like super hyperbolic. Oh, make billions off the of esports yeah, side. Like, you know, that's if, like even if they would have said how to make hundreds of millions, I would have been mm-hmm. uh, okay. Yeah, maybe. They could, how to be how to, how to make millions. You know? And uh, uh, yes, I, I'd say that's like that's a very reasonable thing to say. And millions, but is that, just, that's still a lot of that's a difference. lot of money. Like millions of dollars is nothing to laugh at. But, right? but it's like, like nowadays people are like, oh, millions with an M. <laughs> uh, esports are dying. Whatever yeah, it right. is, <laughs> um, I don't know, man. It just kind of it rubbed me the wrong way. Understandably. I will say one thing you pointed out, others have as well, is the Yasuo thing. Right, right. And I, I could be stretching here, but the way they made it sound, their Yasuo was, was uh, from League of Legends, one of their most recent signings. The way they made it sound was almost kind of like the phase clout, pay with clout situation. Did mm. I read that wrong? Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of see where you're coming from on that. In in this sense, I don't know that it actually works quite like that. Like, I'm sure they're yeah. paying him something, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's as much Given it I looked think, like it was more of a partnership. Almost. Yeah, yeah. By my understanding of the way 100 Thieves partnerships with their content creators works, content creators specifically, not their teams, right, is that they don't they don't take any of the content creators' money. They don't necessarily pay the content creators any, like, just, like, salary money, right? Yeah. But they give them a lot of support, and they feature them in a lot of their content. And I'm sure that if they get, like, any ad deals based on, oh, working with Courage or working with Valkyrie or whatever, then that person gets a cut of that deal, obviously. Yeah. Right? But I think that's basically how it functions. So it's pretty darn close to what FaZe does. Yeah, yeah. Pretty close. But since it's more condensed, I think it's probably more valuable because oh for sure because yeah. Phase Clan's not cutting their right right uh, their big sponsorship deals with like the, the little down they have so mm-hmm. many content creators right right but Yasuo and, and Brooke or Valkyrie I don't know what deals they sign but Yasuo mm-hmm. obviously a bigger tier right uh, content creator so and I'm sure Hundred Thieves does more for him yeah and, and vice like, versa yeah yeah yeah, of um, course. yeah definitely a weird partnership to me that was probably the biggest thing I got out of the article mm-hmm. title pissed us both off but either way despite all that is. you know Hundred Thieves being featured by New York Times is is super cool yeah absolutely um, last time we talked about this was Phase clan and i think it was bloomberg it was some big publisher I yeah yeah that. something along those lines it was um uh first billion dollar esports org question mark which i like mm. that title more than this one yeah because at least that was kind of speculative yeah that was like oh could they be instead of like ah, oh, it's not here's how you do it guys <laughs> it's not making built yeah mother 
Anyway, I mean, yeah. this, that's not to say that we don't think Hundred Thieves could make billions. It's just let's be realistic, guys. They're not doing that yet. They're not anywhere close to that. You know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. All right, everybody. We hope you guys all enjoy. We've actually tried to reformat this show to do five stories. We do two, two, and then one can join, and mm. we try and keep it shorter. But sometimes we just get angry and we talk. But we hope you guys all enjoy this episode of the Esports Rewind Podcast. Zan, hit him with the outro, dog. You know what? As per usual, as always, if you want to listen to us, the Esports Rewind Podcast on the go on your phone, in your car, while you're driving on the way to work and or school, you can find us on the Prediction Esports Talk Show Network right here on the desk. That's P-R-E-E-D-I-C-T-I-O-N. We're right there with a bunch of other great esports podcasts and talk shows. And somebody's up on the ceiling trying to say mm-hmm. hello. Shout out to them. Um, you know, and thank you all for listening and joining us this week on the Esports Rewind. For those audio listeners out there, we are Esports Talk. You can find us on YouTube at Esports Talk. Anybody wants to share a story, just say, hey, give us a shout out. You can also reach out on Twitter at talk underscore esports. Find us on Instagram at esports underscore talk. Trust, we're going to get that all lined up very soon. Uh, you know, we have a lot of big announcements coming down the pipe, just a lot of a couple teas. To, gro- to, to cross, eyes to dot, you know. <laughs> I tried. Okay. No, no, you got it. No, you got yeah, it. It's yeah. pretty good. I, 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 made, I made it there in the end. And it's kind of a spiel, bro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anything we, else? We got a lot of, a lot of stuff to announce. Um, I believe we have a new show starting this week, or will it be next week? Ah, um, yes. We're, we're going to find out. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> to a, thanks to a, a future something coming soon. For audio listeners, you have no idea what I'm doing with my, my back right now, so that sucks to be on audio. You know, fun next ac- exercise is going on over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it should be a new series coming with me and Nick and hopefully Zan in the future called mm. The Respawn Recap. It'll be shorter than the podcast. It'll come out every Friday. Uh, wait, every week, once per week. Right. Uh, data comes soon. Pretty much recapping all the latest latest titles but in a more laid back like behind the scenes uh shot yeah so, real spicy to the point yep it's gonna be you guys can see me in my natural yeah. habitat nick as well <laughs> and maybe zan in the future uh, anyway we done we good to go yeah i think we're good thank you all for listening all you nerds out there you gamers and uh, we appreciate you as per usual watching and listening to the esports rewind podcast until next time take care of yourselves we'll see you guys back here sometime soon <laughs>